Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. So we wanted to give a thanks to all of our Patreon subscribers. And the way we're going to do it is these bonus content episodes. So we're going to be recording some shorter episodes, very Emma heavy, because that's what people really want. (laughs) And this is all in thanks for you subscribing on Patreon. We appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, before we go any further, you guys rock. I mean, you really help keep the Recycle Garage alive and our vision for what it is alive. So carry on with what you're doing. You guys are great. But this is payback for you. Exactly. So in the garage tonight, we have me. This is Eliza. Hey. Next up, we've got John Dalton. Hello. And on the Pretty Girl Couch... (sighs) Is Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. That's right. So let's start with our first bonus episode, and this is going to be an Emma's History Hole. What do you have for us today, Emma? It is indeed an Emma's History Hole. Um, I want to get something straight before we start, because, you know, I've looked back on the History Holes I've done, um, and they, they do tend to be quite female-heavy, and I'm the first to admit that. And a lot of them tend to be English people, and I'll admit that. So I wanted to do something different, mm. but I couldn't come up with it. So we've got an English woman. <laughs> <laughs> you had us going. No, but this, oh my God, this is a great story. This has got everything. If this was a film, it's got a love story, it's got action, it's got wartime, daring do, it's got motor, it's got everything. You got me interested. You mm-hmm. betcha. Okay, so the subject of our history hole today is a dear woman known as Beatrice Schilling. Beatrice Schilling. Um, always went by the nickname Tilly. Um, and Beatrice was born in 1909 little town called Waterlooville, which is in Hampshire, in the southern part of England. And she's the daughter of a butcher. And, you know, back then, turn of the century, I mean, a butcher was a skilled craft. Mm -hmm. And so we we can assume, we can assume that she was lower middle class, you know. Um, Enough that at 14 years old, she wants a motorbike. And so she gets one. So this would be, what, 1923. And I researched back and I tried to find out what Tilly's first bike was. And I believe she she made her name on an Orton because she did race them. Um, but I think her first one was a Triumph. And so she gets a, uh, a bike at 14 years old, riding it around. Licensing requirements back then were pretty rudimentary. So if you're, they, f- they didn't have the tiered structure then. <laughs> you know, you just wanted to. I remember my grandpa was an awful driver. Oh my god, he was terrifying. But his excuse was he never had to take a test. He said, "Well, back then you just got a car and drove, man." <laughs> just, oh I, back then you just probably had to avoid horses right yeah well we'll avoid one another and i think the, the first documented road accident in england were, were 
the only motorists in this town hit each other, <laughs> which speaks volumes. So, anyway, so Tilly's tooling around on a bike. And <clears throat> she learns how to fix it, which dovetails in with... She gets this notion she wants to be an engineer. Now, in the 1920s and 1930s, the thought of a woman being an engineer was just completely unheard of. I mean, this is just not something that women did, which is why we're talking about her now. I mean, this woman was a true misfit. She wants to be an engineer, so... She goes to university, and I believe it was Manchester University. She got a Bachelor of Science in Engineering. She got a Master's in Aeronautical Engineering. All the time, she's racing her bikes. Now, she'd progressed now to... This is right around 1930. Um, She'd progressed to a a Norton Model 30. And the Model 30 was pretty much... This was the Hayabusa of its day. You wanted to go quick, you needed to get a Norton Model 30. Um, She was racing it quite competitively. Couldn't eke as much power out of it as she wanted, so she bunged a supercharger on it. Um, And the premier Norton racer of the time was Mr. Pope. I think it was Neil Pope. I want to say it was Neil Pope. Somebody Pope. And she beat him. I mean, she was as quick as he was. So she's racing an Orton. She's finishing her degree. She gets a job with the Royal Aeronautical uh, Engineering Institute, the RAE. And this was a pivotal time because this was the early 1930s and it was a huge step forward for aviation i mean things were moving very very quickly for aviation and she was right there at the forefront of it and she was helping design things um i kind of got a little bit ahead of myself because i wanted to talk about her marriage and her husband was a gentleman called george naylor she married him in 1938 Um, He was also a motorcycle racer, but there was a caveat that she put before she'd even consider marrying him. Back then, there was a circuit in England called Brooklands. Um, Very famous racing circuit. And if you did 100 miles an hour going around Brooklands, you got a gold star. And she said to George... Okay, if you want to marry me, you've got to get a gold star at Brooklands because <laughs> I've got one. So you need to get one too. I like where this is yeah. going. And so, <laughs> so he did. So you've got two motorcycle racers. Mm-hmm. They get married. Um, and next year the war breaks out. And this is where Tilly really makes her mark. And this is where, potentially, I'm going to stick my neck out here. She really changed the course of the war. In the 1930s, in the early 1930s, obviously Hitler was coming to power. The the machinery was moving and everybody knew which direction it was going in, including England. And England's a very, very small country. It's very, very vulnerable. So people were preparing for war. And... 
they realised they needed a fighter plane and they really needed a damn good fighter plane. And there were two that were really at, at the forefront. The first was the Supermarine Spitfire, which was actually developed from a seaplane. Um, beautiful, beautiful aircraft. And it was powered by this glorious V-12, the Merlin engine. Mm. And then alongside that, there was the Hawker Hurricane, which was nowhere near as pretty, but it's it's kind of it's more prolific, and it was a very very rugged aeroplane. They were both extremely capable aeroplanes, again powered by this Rolls Royce Merlin engine. Well, the engine had a problem, and they only figured it out when they actually started dogfighting in these things, because of course you know a plane. Uh, Normally you take off, do what you have to do, and land. Now, when you're actually dogfighting in a plane, you're putting the the engine and the airframe through stresses that nobody really would even conceive. And the Merlin had a problem. It was a carburetted engine. Mm. Now, the Germans, back then, this was way before the Fokker Wolf 190 was developed, they had Messerschmitt 109s, and the big advantage of the 109, it was fuel-injected. So no matter where the plane was, you were always getting a supply of fuel to the engine. Now, the Hurricanes and the Spitfires were carbureted, and what would happen is if you dove in the plane, you put it into a steep dive, the negative G on the carburetor would basically push all the fuel mm -hmm. to the top of the float chamber, mm -hmm. And then the then your diaphragms. Well, it had starved the engine. The engine mm -hmm. had stalled. Mm -hmm. It had basically it flood, and it was a big problem because, on a best case scenario, if you had an enemy plane in your sights, and he dropped down into a steep dive, you couldn't follow him, and you missed an opportunity to shoot down the enemy. Worst case scenario, is you're diving and your engine stalls and you're a sitting duck. Mm -hmm. So. Um, the Royal Air Force realized they needed to come up with something very, very quickly. Guess who comes to their rescue? Our heroine. Yay. And what um, Tilly did is the simplest design. It was basically, if you imagine a washer that's the size of the float chamber with a very small hole in it. And it acted, acted as, a, uh, as, a, excuse me, as a baffle for the fuel. And so now you could put these glorious engines through any maneuver and they wouldn't suffer from fuel loss. And the original concept for the design was, I think, the fuel starvation plate. Well, you know, they didn't kind of like the RAF. These are macho guys and they didn't like that term. And in the meantime, um, Tilly's actually doing the rounds and showing the engineers how to put this put this thing in. And all the RAF guys were so taken with her because she's riding around on a Norton, arriving at the air bases, saying, look, this very, very simple part is going to save your asses. She's very gregarious. She's very good looking. She's... She's like a rock star in her field. She is a rock star in her field. Well... What would you call a little piece of metal with a hole in it? Well, it got to be known as Tilly's orifice or Tilly's <laughs> hole. So by the end of wow. 1940, virtually every combat 
Supermarine Spitfire and Hurricane had Tilly's orifice in the carburetor. Wow. I mean, you're talking thousands. And this is right at the time of the Battle of Britain. In the meantime, the Royal Air Force are developing pressurised fuel systems. And these are the kind of fuel systems that are available now or were available in the two-stroke jet skis. I mean, you, you pressurise the fuel system and then you can do all these crazy manoeuvres and your, your thing doesn't flood out. But this was before it had been developed, so it was a stopgap measure. So I, I, I love the thought of all these Spitfires and Hurricanes, anything else with a Merlin engine, <clears throat> flying around in the Battle of Britain with Tilly's orifice in the carburetor. I mean, wow. isn't that amazing? Wow. See, and I wonder if she had, you know, ins got inspiration from that, you know, just f from working on her own motorcycle. Well, you know, I've got to be honest with you, John. It, it, she has to. Yeah. Because you can divide the world up in into two kinds of people. There are people that love the engine. And it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, my first love is motorbikes. But can I appreciate a good aircraft engine? Oh, God, mm -hmm. yeah, or a boat mm -hmm. engine. Or even a car engine. I mean, anything yeah. that's engineered. Mm -hmm. I take so much pleasure in just studying that design. It's absolutely fantastic. Um so yeah, you know that it's it's and her love of speed as well. Yeah, um, that really comes through. So um, war's over. Allies won, as we all well know. That's pretty much documented history by now. Um, and she continues with the motorbikes a little bit after the war, but really switches on to cars. And um, she races cars throughout the nineteen fifties and sixties um, with George. Um, has a couple of pretty gnarly crashes. His health, he was actually a bomber pilot with 625 squad Squadron in the Second World War, and he did suffer from health problems, um, as a lot of the returning allies did um, in the 1960s. And so basically, they raced, raced motorcycles, race cars throughout the 1960s, and after a couple of big crashes, they kind of retired. Um, 70s and 80s i mean they she was retired yeah, they were they were done by then yeah exactly much. you know sitting at home digging in the garden and mm. you know doing the things that nice retired ladies do <laughs> um and she died in 1990 aged 81 um she received um she did receive an award from the british empire and i think i want to say yes with the obe the order of the british empire and the Order of the British Empire, in order to get that, it's an outstanding contribution to the furtherment of England. And, you know, um, um, rock stars have got it in the past. I mean, Elton okay. John, I think, okay. got an OBE. Um, but this is... The, the, the contribution she made in the second world war you, mm -hmm. you it can't be overestimated and of course you know it, it's tying it in with this fiery woman who rode motorcycles i think is absolutely fantastic um the one thing i did want to mention in the 1960s in the early 1960s she was um very instrumental in studying the effect of wet runways on aircraft she, she stayed working for the uh, royal aircraft establishment all her working life and 
developed some very, very rudimentary anti-lock braking systems. I mean, we take ABS for granted here. Mm. But, you know, ABS has been on aircraft since the 1960s. Did you know that? Well, what tripped me out is that how you were saying the fuel injection was yes. going on way back then, too. The Germans had it. So Absolutely. I mean, yeah. It, it, aircraft technology, a lot of people would say it's where it's at. Um, I had a very interesting conversation with Liza over over lunch today. Yeah, about a gentleman. Is it was it Pete? Yep, Pete, who markets um, helps make and market fuel injection systems for aircraft. So they're very rudimentary systems. So it seems like perhaps um, commercial aircraft, or at least light commercial aircraft, are kind of left behind a little bit on mm. the. Uh, um, technology front because the thing we get on our motorbikes now is amazing you know yeah. the technology on a motorbike is mm -hmm, freaking amazing mm -hmm. but um these cessnas with the lycoming flat sixes and uh, continentals you know running very very rudimentary mechanical fuel injection and that's what they had back then on the on the messerschmitts i mean it was um probably a bosch mechanical system very similar in concept i'm guessing what you got on the very early Volvos or uh, Volkswagen Golfs, you know, just real simple mechanical fuel injection, mm. but stone reliable. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you don't want things stalling when you're up there in the air. Right. Or running fat. And I, I think you had uh, one of the misfits came in and then uh, their fuel injector wasn't squirting right something oh, like that it's quite yeah. mad yeah, with yeah, his yeah. bmw yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> he, he 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 looks it up and he's like oh yeah i found some off of an old pickup truck or something like that so right. it's cool to know that those things are interchangeable i think fuel injection oh hey that's that's a whole another level but it's it's amazing that it's been around for so long and but, the efficiency of it too it's but cool. here's beatrice at the absolute mm -hmm. cutting edge yeah. of that and found a workaround you know, for that. It's exactly. Very simple. So, my take on this, her legacy, because inevitably we, we want to talk about a legacy not only on the motorcycle industry, but as a whole. What does a woman who died 27 years ago, who rode a motorcycle in the 1930s, I mean, what legacy does that give us today? Well, um, if you're riding a bike with anti-lock braking system, you can trace a line right back to Tilly's work in the late 50s and early 60s. Wow. Do you know the first car with anti-lock brakes? It's a British car, Jensen FF. Okay. Hmm? 1965. And that was the first car with anti-lock brake system and disc brakes all around. Nice. It, I'm really using that as an example to show how far things have come. Um, in 52 years, this is, this is commonplace now. But back then, it was very, very special. And the anti-lock brake system on the Jensen, which is why I bring it up, was developed from the aircraft system. Okay. Um, so, tra-la-la. So, her legacy, anti-lock brake system, um, baffle carburation, a lot mm -hmm. of... Racing bikes back in the day had baffled carburetor float bowls. Wow. And that's an entirely Tilly design. Wow. And she's just a badass woman who rode a motorbike. I mean, dear I God. Mm -hmm. We all owe her a huge 
debt of thanks. So, Tilly, if you're up there listening to us, thank you, doll. Thank you for just being friggin' badass. Right. No, she deserves a statue somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, she's got a pub named after her, but I think she, you know, oh, we that's can good very nice. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. <laughs> but there was one quote. Where are we? Um, she worked for the RAE until 1969, rising to a senior post in the mechanical engineering department. Very good. Oh, this was the quote I was looking for. A co-worker. This is a direct quote. What do you think of Tilly? Tilly is, I quote, a flaming pathfinder of women's lib. (laughs) 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 So that's a legacy. Um, It's a wonderful story. That's just a long way of saying she's a woman who scares me. Yeah, I think so, basically. Um, But yeah, what a fantastic story. Did you enjoy that, John? I did. Absolutely. That's cool, You know, man. I mean, you, 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 you hear it spoken yeah. like this. It's almost like... An, oh, I'm, I'm a, hearing sound effects novel. in my head. Yeah. <laughs> As you're talking about it. Just the World War II. And right. But, you know, it almost reads like an action novel. Mm-hmm. I love it. So can people find out any more info about Tilly Schilling yes. online? Yes. Um, you can go on to um, the Wikipedia pages as... You know, it's as good as good a place as any to start. Let's so see if it's, I can. It's under Beatrice Schilling. It's under Beatrice Schilling. How do you spell Beatrice? B e a t r i z c c e. Ah. Okay. So let's have a look. See if you can. I can get you some decent. Um, Hampshire biographies. Beatrice Schilling. That'd be a good place. Um. There is. I'm trying to find something that you can really get your teeth into. There's one that says International Women in Science, a biographical directory to 1950. I suspect that's going to be pretty heavy reading. Cool. Well, yeah. thank you for telling us mm-hmm. about yeah, Tilly, thanks for the Tilly Schilling and her hole. Yes, <laughs> Tilly's hole. How <laughs> cool is that? <laughs> de- it, was, it was tiny and gassy. It was tiny and gassy. <laughs> and, Not deep and dark. And saved Britain from the evil axis. How cool is that? I think that's awesome. Go hole. Well, Emma, thank you for bringing Tilly to our attention. And again, thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. I hope you enjoyed this bonus content. And keep a lookout. There's going to be more coming. On that note, thank you very much for subscribing. Thanks, guys. Thank you.